Welcome to Odd Drama Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this episode, I will be talking about the movie Tron. <clears throat> we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Um, up at the top, I want to talk about a, a small, short incident that happened to me. The other day, I I woke up. The, the best way I can describe it is I woke up in a daze. In a daze. Um, I woke up in a daze and the I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it was just a normal day. There's, there's no reason why I couldn't breathe correctly. I don't know what it was. The first thing that I wanted to do that I was instinctually um, wanted to do was sit up in my bed. Um, I don't know why, but that's what I wanted to do. And I turned off my fan. And here in SoCal, Southern California, for you uh, noobs, it's it's hot. I'm not going to say very... Well, yes, I will say very hot. But I know it's hotter in other types, in other parts of the world. But I'm the type of person who usually likes a fan blowing on my face at any and all times, in the car, at home, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, at work, if I ca- if I can, I just want fan. I like the sound, I like the feeling, and I'm also I'm a fat ass, and I like just I like cool air blowing on me at all times. So for me to wake up in a daze and turn off this fan is very unusual, but I felt like I couldn't breathe. Then I started to panic. And I called my wife, and I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm on my way home. And I'm like, I don't feel good. She's like, what's wrong? Because she's a nurse. Um, she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I feel weird. She's like, oh, but... And then, and then I get frustrated, which is my own fault, because I thought that by calling her, this would remedy the situation. But in retrospect, like, what's she going to do? We're on the phone. Finally, she gets home and she checks on me and she checks on me and she um, she says, do you want me to boil water so you can um, breathe in the steam? And I'm like, sure, because I guess, well, my nose was signif- severely plugged up. So what she did was she boiled water. She put a towel over my head to keep the steam contained she put the water in a bowl and I inhaled steam for like six minutes. And that did help that um, helped kind of break up the this mucus blockage in my nose. I guess that's a good uh, image for a podcast. But I don't know what it was. Um, my theory is that I my nose was plugged up and I had trouble breathing. And then I, I, ha- I just experienced some sort of lack of oxygen. But I keep thinking, wouldn't I just instinctually breathe through my mouth? Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't think I've ever experienced this before, but I couldn't breathe in my room. And it rem- reminds me of that story I came across long ago about a South Korean urban myth. And it sounds kind of like an old wives' tale that moms or parents tell their children 
that they say, oh, if you if you sleep, if you fall asleep with the fan on all night, you might die. You might not wake up. Um, maybe it's they tell that to kids to save electricity. I don't know. But apparently some kids grew up thinking that and it freaks them out. Um, that's what I thought of. I don't I'm pretty sure that's a myth and it has no basis in reality. But there we are. Um, let's get on with the shizo. Um, did I just get canceled for saying shizo? So let's move on to the news beat. In the news beat on this program, I just I go through interesting headlines and briefly talk about them. Um, I guess that's what the news. Did I call it the news beat? Whatever. Um, I'll talk about briefly. I usually talk about movie web news, but I am a huge Final Fantasy fan, especially Final Fantasy VII. I have a YouTube channel called Odd Drummer Gaming that makes Final Fantasy VII videos. So they dropped... I don't remember if I talked about this. Oh, well. But they had a special presentation. And they talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade coming to Steam. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I purchased it. I have a bad habit. I'm probably not going to purchase it. Uh, I'm probably not going to play it on Steam. I might. I probably won't because I have it on PS5. So why did you buy it on Steam? Uh, well, I I want to get this the Steam Deck. I didn't think I ever would want it. Um, I heard the battery life's not great, but it's intriguing to me to be able to play this game portably. Um, I, I would love it. I would love it. So um, there's people, I mean, as you would expect, anyone selling a Steam Deck online is like, for the 64 gig, um, $1,000. I don't know. I, I get it. You're, you're selling something that's hot, that's not readily available. So why not try and get as much money as you can? But you are openly ripping off people who... You know, if if it was switched the other way around, <coughs> would you want to um, pay that much for a product that you want? Probably not. I, I don't know. It's annoying. I did see an offer on OfferUp in my own city. It, it was weird. It was almost like it was fake because it popped up in my own city. It was a good deal. It was like seven fifty. I don't remember how many gigs it was, but they were like, I only, it's now that I think about it, it might've been fake. Cause they're like, I only played it for an hour, but, um, it, it's not for me. I'm probably not going to play it outside of my computer. So it comes with a case and da, 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 da And it's seven fifty, and it, it was in my city. Um, I think on offer up, they usually expect a uh, cash, which I, I have I don't have twenty dollars cash, much less seven fifty cash, so I passed, unfortunately. But um, it says October twenty two, the the new um, the Steam Deck will be available again, maybe according to the order of people who laid laid a reservation regist registration reservation thing. I'm not gonna have enough money by then either, but. You know, 
There's a reason why I'm in deep in credit card debt. Um, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion announced for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I'm excited about this because I enjoyed Crisis Core a lot. It's a very solid prequel, I guess. It's, it is a prequel. And it focuses on the character of Zack Fair, who is a very... He's a cool character, and he's integral to the Final Fantasy VII lore. And I remember playing through the game on PSP and enjoying it thoroughly. And then a a year or so ago, I I couldn't find my own copy. So I purchased one on eBay for like 10, 15 bucks maybe. And they were like... the. The case is in Russian, but everything else is in English. When you play the game, it's in English, so it's fine. So I, I tried playing it, but I don't know. When I tried playing it, it it sounds like the PSP is rewinding a tape, like struggling to rewind a tape. And I I feel bad for my PSP. I'm like, you don't. I don't want you to work that hard, buddy. Um, like maybe I don't know how much time and uh, play time you have left in you so it's about time that they brought that game to modern consoles because the psp is very old at this point and i'm i'm excited for it it's they're like it's not a remaster it's more than a remaster whatever that means but i'm excited to play it i always want to play buy. i always want to buy games for my ps5 because it's Technically, well, it's the most advanced system I have. I do have an Xbox Series S. Jesus Christ. But um, I've been really enjoying the Switch. It's funny because sometimes I'll go months without touching my Switch, maybe even years. But lately, I've been really enjoying it. And sometimes at my work, um, there's long breaks at work. There's like at least an hour and a half, sometimes two hours and a half between shifts. And the Switch just makes the time go by. And I, I really love the Switch at the Mo Mint. So I'm probably going to purchase that on Switch. I hope there's a physical release, but I don't know. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth announced for PS5. That's exciting. So it's not Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2 anymore. It's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I am confused because there's, they said it's going to be three parts, which if Midgar is five to six hours of the original game and the original game, let's say it's at least 60 hours, probably more. I don't know how you divide that into three games. I guess you're going to make... Part, I guess you're going to make Rebirth and Part 3 huge in comparison. That's the only thing that would make sense. But the remake Part 1 being just Midgar, it's it's confusing to me. I know, I don't know, people were predicting, oh, it's going to be three parts, which I thought it was ridiculous, but now it's confirmed. So um, I don't know. I guess I don't know anything about anything. Um... That's all I got, I think, for Final Fantasy in recent times. Let's go over to MovieWeb quickly. 
Tom Cruise explains why he turned down the role of Iron Man. Um, you know what's interesting is I, I, th- I always think of actors. I don't know if I've mentioned this either on the podcast, but I always think of actors who, who will never voice an animated character or who will never play a comic book character. I feel like there's a type, but I'm always wrong. Because people who I think fall into that category would be like Idris Elba, which is false on both accounts because he played Knuckles recently in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and he was in The Suicide Squad. But there's actors who just seem like they have like this gravitas behind them and they're like, I'm too good to do that, to do those kind of roles. I'm a real actor. Or... um. I'm blanking on her name, but the girl who played Hela in Thor Ragnarok, um, come on, name come up, please, I don't want to pause the podcast, I don't want to edit it, please just give me the name, I need the name, Kate Blanchett, she seems like I'm a real actor, I'm not going to reduce myself to a comic book movie but she played Hela and she's great I don't mean anything by this I'm just saying I'm just saying they there seems to be like a a type and Christian Bale kind of seems like that type but he was Batman for the trilogy and he was great and he's in the new Thor movie so clearly that doesn't apply to him um, and then Benedict Cumberbatch kind of gave that vibe as well, but he was Doctor Strange. So the only real two people I can think of, well, maybe three if you include Tom Cruise. I don't really think of Tom Cruise in this category, but the two that come to mind are Leonardo DiCaprio and um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I don't know if either of them have played a voice in a role, in a cartoon role, or in a comic book movie, but I don't think they have. Um, I should have researched and confirmed, but I'm not going to. Chris Pratt says his Mario voice is updated and unlike anything you've heard. Chris Pratt is a douche. Um, I don't know. I'd... I'm I'm still not interested. Like I'm going to see it because it's going to be a movie based on a video game. But I really hate that Chris Pratt. It should have been Charles Martinet. I mean for Pedro's sake. I forgot about the pop filter. I'm putting it on now. Not that it'll make anything difference. The Raid remake director calls it a reimagining, says it won't be an action comedy. The the mere fact that they have to say that this Raid remake is will not be an action comedy is already worrisome. I mean, why, why do you have to declare that? Uh, um, do, do we need a re- Raid remake? Raid 1 and 2 are, are great. Um, I don't know. Does anyone watch the Umbrella Academy? Because I I don't. I watched a few episodes of the first season. I did not like it. I have no interest 
in the subsequent seasons. Um, okay, I know we rarely get into politics on the show, but Elvira joins Hollywood stars in condemning Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, I I don't I don't know I don't know what to think I just I have no hope I have no faith in this government I I really don't um I don't really associate myself with any sort of political party I just I try to disassociate myself from it entirely politics are not my thing I find it boring I find it dumb I find it hopeless. So like, and and I get it, you know, Hollywood stars condemning Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. I understand people are angry and upset. I don't, I don't understand the the point. Like, at this point, you're just complaining and crying. Like, that's not gonna do anything, you know. I I don't know. It, it's all just very hopeless. And I guess I guess me talking about it on a podcast is no better. You know, I I think everything just sucks. Everything is dumb, and everything should die. Um, Amber Heard haven't followed it, but she's hot. That's all I know. Um, let's let's move on. Lyle Lyle Crocodile movie. What the? F- Taika Waititi. I don't like Taika Waititi. Did you know that in Tagalog, titi means dick? It means penis. The Tagalog word for penis is titi. Titi. So, Taika Waititi. Anyway. There's apparently a Game of Thrones a sequel coming on, coming along. Uh, I'll probably watch it out of curiosity. You know, I enjoyed Game of Thrones, but... It's it was kind of a one and done for me. Like I, there's no way I could follow, I could remember any of the characters' names or any of the plot points. I remember like the big ones, but um, I I didn't obsess with the show. Like I binged it relatively quickly, but it's not something that really stuck with me. Um, I think we should just move on in our lives. Where's my sheet? I had a sheet open. <sighs> Let's move on to the music beat where I talk about music. I recently purchased tickets to see Thrice. It's months away, um, December. Uh, I work part-time at an Amazon warehouse, and December's our busiest time. It's to the point where they don't really allow... Um, day off requests and vacation requests during that time because they need like all hands on deck. So I kind of made, well, I didn't make a mistake. My friend said he purchased tic- a ticket for a Sunday show. And so I was like, well, when tickets come available, I'll get a ticket to you. So I did. So I think I'm just going to go to the show, enjoy myself and then be tired for the rest of my life. But I like Thrice a lot. Like most things in life, I enjoy their earlier albums. My favorite album is Identity Crisis. But I also like um, 
the illusion of safety, the artist in the ambulance. And then when the, the more, the further you go on, I just kind of like them less and less. Their sound became different and I became different. And it's a tough thing because you want to be true to yourselves. You don't necessarily want to churn out the same music stuff over and over again. And you, the band members change, they experience more things, they get exposed to more things, and their sound is going to inevitably change. And all you can really do is hope that your fans follow you on that journey. But I think for the most part, they don't. um, Because fans, music, tastes change and evolve as well. So I, I have the Bands in Town app. And I want to say up front that there is no conceivable reason to me why I continue to receive messages from CeeLo Green. I keep getting notifications that say CeeLo Green has sent you a message. Why is he sending me a message? Why why is he allowed to send me a message? I don't want to hear from CeeLo Green. Um, I don't follow him. Um, you know... The, his song, you're making me crazy. Yeah, it's it was nice maybe the first time I heard it. But, you know, when the radio destroys it, I never want to hear that song ever again. And I never want to hear anything from CeeLo Green ever again. So why does he keep sending me messages? Do I have to block him? Is that what I have to do to stop this from happening? I don't follow the man. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way because it's disturb it's disturbing to me that he keeps like he doesn't it's 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 not even him like I don't I'm not a fan of his music I I don't know I don't know but I got a notification from a band that's going to be performing near me the band is called Saves the Day. And I didn't really take notice of the notification. I was like, eh, whatever. And then I looked at the post and it said that this band is performing my favorite album, not only of Saves the Day, but perhaps one of my favorite albums of all time, um, Stay What You Are in its entirety. And they're performing it on my birthday. And I kind of squeed. I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, and I was kind of like excited. But we all have to acknowledge that the the lead singer of Saves the Day, Chris Connolly, has had some sexual allegations made against him. Um, I mentioned this to my friend, and he was like, um, I drank a little tonight, but uh, I don't really care. Or it didn't really affect him. And I get that, like, Sometimes you you feel disconnected from it. It's like, oh, I know this guy did whatever, but whatever. And admit, well, I will, spoiler alert, I did buy two tickets to see Saves the Day for me and my wife. Um, hopefully we're still together by then. But I, I don't want to support someone who has done disgusting things. And am I doing that? Yes, but I'm not. By purchase by purchasing these tickets, I'm not saying like, good on you, for sending unsolicited nude pictures to a 12 year old boy and grooming him for years. I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying as a selfish person, as a self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish person, I want to see this band perform one of my favorite albums of all time live because I've never seen them live before. That's all it is, really. And, you know, Saves the Day in 2022 is not the same Saves the Day in whatever it was, uh, 2000. And they're, they're the same thing. Like, the more they put out, the less I like them. And Chris Connolly is the only remaining original member of the band. And I remember the bassist, his name was like Eben D'Amico, I think. I used to love his bass lines in Stay What You Are, and he's not in the band. I don't know what he's up to now, but like, so the band members that I liked are no longer in the band. The only one left is this sexual creep. Um, but I am interested to hear the songs live. So we'll see how it goes. I, uh, I'm sorry to the, to anyone who he has offended. And I, Well, I already went over it. But that's all I have for the music beat. In the gaming beat, I talk about um, what I have been playing lately, which games I have been playing lately. I've been continuing Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, It's a solid game. I love it. It's it's great. Um, I mentioned already one of my favorite things to do is play the game on low volume while listening to podcasts, which I do understand it kind of takes away from the experience of the game, but I I enjoy it. And, um, but another game that I purchased recently on the Switch is a game called Snow Brothers. And I remember playing Snow Brothers as a child in the arcade. Um, It was a a little, I don't know what you call it, like a family fun center with miniature golf and go-karts and and arcade and pizza and all that stuff. Um, it used to, we. It's called Camelot in Orange County. I think it's still there. And I it 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 used to be my favorite thing. Well, not one of my favorite things. Like let's go get. I mean my. Dad usually took us like, oh, let's get some pizza and let's play arcade, whatever. And one of my favorite arcade games was Snow Brothers. And I told my brother like, Snow Brothers is coming to Switch. And I thought he would be equally excited. And he's like, you seem to be a lot more excited about this than I am. I'm like, how can you not be excited about it? This is something from our childhood. And he's like, don't you just uh, throw snow and I was like, this is like, this is like um, finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. Because I'm like, hey, Snow Brothers is coming to Switch. It's like a, our childhood coming to life on a modern console. And he's like, Snow Brothers sucks and you should suicide. Those weren't his exact words, but I've been really loving the game. Um... There's different modes. There's um, I purchased it for $19.99 on the eShop. There's also a $9.99 DLC, which I also purchased, where you can play as the monsters. So basically, it's a plat. It's called a platforming game, but 
I don't know when you I guess platforming games is a very broad term for a category of games because in some sense I would say like Super Mario Brothers is a platforming game uh, or Ratchet and Clank I think is called a platforming game but the format of Snow Brothers is you go through different floors and there's monsters and you your weaponry is you throw snow at them and you cover them in snowballs and you roll them down and it's very fun. It's very fun. I usually like story-based games. There's a little bit of story to this, but that's obviously not its main strong point. I think the gameplay is just very fun. Also, fun fact, um, I was playing through the arcade mode, and every time I died, it would ask me for my initials or my name to enter, because I guess I got a high score. And I thought, I don't know what I thought, but I, it just kept asking me to enter my name. So by the, by the time I finished this game, I had... Nine out of the ten slots of the high scores in the arcade mode. Um, I'm assuming if you if you check it out now, the score the scoreboard, it says Edmund in nine out of the ten spots, unless someone else beat me out of it. But the tenth one is Toplan, which is like the makers of the game. And I also have one or two in like monster mode, survival mode, time attack mode. There's a different bunch of different modes. I highly recommend this game. It's $19.99 on the eShop. It's very fun. Um, I don't know if it'll be as fun if you have no memory of it as a child, because nostalgia is a hell of a drug for me. But I've been really loving it. Um, and it's one of those games where if you die, you can just press a button to insert more coins. Like So essentially, you you never die. You can just keep playing until you beat the end. I think when I was a kid, I maybe got to the first boss if I did at all, because I'm I'm not a I'm not good at games. I love games very much, but I'm not good at games. So if I reached the first boss, um, that's as far as I got. But on the Switch, I got to the very end. It's very fun. Highly recommended. Um, let's move on to the movie beat. The movie beat is where I talk about TV shows and movies that I have been watching recently, regardless of genre. So they don't have to fall in the movies based on video games category. So I want to talk about Seinfeld. I mentioned recently that I purchased the complete DVD set on eBay for like $38. I watched... Season 1, Episode 2, The Stakeout, and Season 1, Episode 3, The Robbery. Um, I love the show. You know, this this episode, The the Robbery, oh wait, no, The Stakeout, it's interesting because, um, I'm looking it up, this woman in this episode really left an impression on me. Um, I don't know, maybe it was the way the the script was written or maybe the way it was shot, but you could really feel the attraction between Jerry and this girl, 
uh, Vanessa. She's very attractive, um, but you could feel the attraction between them. And I, I guess I was surprised to learn that this was season one because this was very early on in the show. Uh, I mean, it's the second episode. And I guess I feel like, well, this is it. Like, Jerry, you got the perfect girl right off the bat. Um, you like her, she likes you, why not stick it out? But I believe she only ended up in two episodes of the show, which is very surprising. And if I'm not mistaken, in the other episode of the show, she they were at some sort of facility, like a like an old folks home or some building, and it was raining out. And um, Jerry was being kind of a Debbie Downer, and Vanessa didn't like it. So I think their relationship ended uh, right after that. So she was only in two episodes. Her name is Lynn Clark. Looking at her um, IMDb page, she was in two episodes of Seinfeld in 1990. She was in 20 episodes of Days of Our Lives between 1990 and 92. She was in a show called Grapevine, which I've never heard of, six episodes. She was in an episode, a 1995 episode of Friends called The One with the Evil Orthodontist. I have no recollection of her in Friends. She was in eight episodes of a show called The Monroes, which I've never heard of. Two episodes of Melrose Place. And her last entry is she played Heather Brewer in Grapevine in 2000. So if this um, is ac- if this IMD page, IMDb page is accurate, she has not worked in 2020, 22 years. Which is a shame because I feel like she did a lot in in that just that one episode. Um, she really made an impact. So I, I guess I was confused why she didn't go on to become a big star, at least in my point of view. Like I don't know, because um, everyone knows Seinfeld. Who knows the name Lynn Clark? You know what I mean. Um, I don't know what I mean. Um, So the stakeout is, you know, by today's standards, you might say that Jerry was doing like some stalking because he's like, I don't know how to get in touch with this woman. I don't know her name. I just know where she works. And then her dad's like, maybe you could go to where she works and then stake out the elevator when she comes down for lunch. And he was like, you know, that's not a horrible idea. So he and George go down there. And I don't know. It's a funny show. I like the episode. And then what's the other one? The robbery where um, Elaine is trying to get Jerry's apartment because I guess she lives with a roommate and she doesn't like her current living situation. And um, Kramer leaves the door open so Jerry gets robbed. So Jerry wants to move into a an apartment, a better apartment that George, I guess George works in realty at this point, which is confusing because I, I thought his whole character was based on being a loser without a, without a steady job, but I guess they'll get to that. 
again, I, 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 I love the show. I find it very pleasant. Um, I'm, you know, Pat Walsh of We'll See You in Hell always says that season one isn't great, but, well, maybe in comparison to later seasons, because I know the show gets very funny, very goofy and loony and crazy and hilarious, but I'm not, I'm not hating on any of these episodes so far. I find the show to be very enjoyable. One of my favorites, for sure. Um, check it out. So I watched the final three episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Part four, part five, part six. Uh, we binged the first two or three in a row. And then my wife was like, what's the next one? It's like, I'm like, we have to wait. And she was like, Oh, I hate that. And I'm like, you spoiled brat of a princess. Um, and so we let it build up a little bit. So we binged the last three, right? One right after the other. And, you know, I will say that part four and five, like I, I can't differentiate which episode is which, but I felt kind of bored for episode four and episode five. Um, there were a few highlights in the show. Spoiler alert, if you have not seen Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, fast forward this to the end of the episode where I say good night and good luck. But, you know, it was sad when Tala kicked the bucket, if you will. Um, I was probably more sad about the robot. Um, I don't know if the robot had a name. I forgot it, if they said it. Um, so that was a good moment. Um, you know, Pat or Joe, Joe said he d didn't like Kenobi so far because of the kid. He doesn't want to see a 10-year-old super annoying um, Aleia, which I get. You know, kids are annoying. Kids are dumb. So I understand his criticism. I didn't find her that annoying. And my wife, well, she wants kids, but she doesn't find her annoying. Um, the, like the moment, um, I think in episode six, where she goes, crawls up in the vent. It's like, I don't, what's a 10-year-old going to know? Like, which red fuse, what to, like, stuff like that. It's kind of like, well, you know, she's strong with the force and also she's, crafty and witty and she's a strong kid yeah but crawling up a vent and pulling the red fuse whatever like come on come on also something that pat walsh said in a prequel series you know everything you know everyone survives so you obviously you know leia survives you know obi-wan survives you know vader survives so you know that the stakes are a thousand percent lowered because everyone you know who survives in the later movies and stuff you know they all survive so when they're having some epic fight or epic chase it's 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 lowered the risks are lowered the stakes are lowered because you know they're going to be fine you know my brother asked me why was reva chasing after luke skywalker and I didn't have a straight answer for him. You know, I'm, I would consider myself pretty dumb at this point. So I don't 
really understand most things about life or most TV shows. But I had two theories and I was like, well, she's she wants her revenge against Vader. But also, I think she's angry at Obi-Wan because he used her to escape and Vader ended up attacking her while Obi-Wan escaped. So I think Owen asked Reva, what do you want with the boy? And then he said, she said, justice. So I wasn't sure if that meant she wanted her revenge against Obi-Wan or Vader. So I looked it up and it said she she was trying to get her revenge against Vader. Like, because if Vader, if she if she's not strong enough to kill Vader, she'll just do the next best thing, which is kill his son, Luke. Which, again, doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't know. I didn't really love Kenobi. Um, you know, the, the big fight scene between Obi-Wan and Vader, I liked. I thought it was fun. And I liked when um, Vader had his helmet cracked open and you could kind of see his face. And his voice was distorting so you could, you could kind of hear Hayden Christensen. And I liked that part. I thought that was pretty powerful. When um, Obi-Wan was like, I guess my friend truly is dead. Goodbye. And then he said Darth, which is kind of weird. Like, isn't Darth like a title? Like, sir? Goodbye, sir? I don't know. But I did like that exchange. Um, so it was some cool. And I really thought that it was going to be three parts fo focusing on Leia and three parts focusing on Luke. And they didn't go that route. I guess Hayden Christensen. Oh God, I can't speak. I guess Hayden Christensen and um, Ewan McGregor are trying to do a part uh, season two. I honestly don't even know if I want a season two. As far as these Star Wars TV shows, I probably liked The Mandalorian season one the best, which I think was the first one. And they just get significantly less interesting as they go. You know, Mandalorian Season 2. Um, Book of Boba Fett and Kenobi. I I feel like I want to rewatch The Mandalorian Season 1. Because I want to see how he gets all his armor and all that stuff. So Kenobi's... I don't know. It's just kind of there. You would think that with all that money... And all this time and effort, um, and you're the biggest corporation in the world, you would have the resources to make a really good show. And it just wasn't. It just wasn't. It was fine. You know, some cool highlights, some interesting stuff, but it wasn't, like, fantastic. And you would think uh, Disney would make something fantastic especially for obi-wan kenobi like one of the most beloved characters um i probably like no i did like kenobi more than the book of boba fett so yeah the final movie in this week's movie beat is a rom-com called he's all that so my wife the other day she it's she was supposed to be off but 
her bosses called her. They usually do this, and I hate it. I'll be honest. They called her, and they're like, we need you. We need your help. But it's her off day. You know what I mean? It's like, I understand you need help at work, but it's her off day. Like, you expect her to work six days a week? Like, come on. Come on. So they call her and, she, you know, she feels guilty because she's kind of friends with the bosses. I'm like, that's the that's your, that's your problem. Um, I like how at Amazon, everyone's super cold. When you clock in, everyone, for the most part, is very friendly to each other and helps each other. But as soon as you clock out, like, no one knows anyone's names. No one knows anyone's phone numbers. You go home and it's like you're strangers after you clock out. At least that's how I treat it and i love that aspect of it dogs are barking what does this have to do with he's all that well so she went to work late at night and then um i wake up in the middle of the night she's not home i wake up in the morning she's not home and like i want to text her and ask her like whose dick are you sucking you know but I didn't text her. She finally texts me a picture of her, like, looking all tired, trying to gain sympathy from me. But I'm like, immediately, I'm like, whose dick are you sucking? And um, she's like, I'm still at work. We didn't sleep. I'm like, it's not my problem. And eventually she came home. And she um, she was very sleepy, obviously. But I put on He's All That. We got seven minutes in, and she was very tired, so she went to sleep. So eventually that night, we put it back on again. Because, you know, recently, every once in a while, she, she wants to, she'll say, put on something romantic. And this is showing up on the, you know, rom-com list on Netflix. I will say that... I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of the original, but I am a huge fan of Rachel Lee Cook. Um, I fell in love with her and she's all that. It's extremely ridiculous that they, I guess that's part of the joke, but they put a pair of glasses on her and they, they expect us, they expect us to believe that she's some sort of loser, some sort of grotesque, ugly loser because she's wearing glasses, but she's still like, one of the most beautiful girls in the world with glasses on. I remember someone said um, for the Princess Diaries, like, oh, they finally found someone ugly um, to turn beautiful. I'm like, no, I mean, maybe they made her a little more homely with like some makeup and, you know, Anne Hathaway and makeup and maybe some teeth, fake teeth or something, but she's still gorgeous. Anyway, the original movie, She's All That, is not great, but I have some fond memories of it because um, of Rachel Lee Cook, and I, I still still really like her, and she, she, I remember in 2005 or 2004 or something, I read the news that in Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, they, they cast... Steve Blum and Bo Billingsley as Vincent Valentine and Barrett Wallace, respectively, who were, you know, the voice actors for Spike Spiegel and Jet Black in Cowboy Bebop. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And then they cast Rachel Lee Cook as Tifa. 
one of my favorite video game characters like uh, it was crazy it was a crazy bit of news back you know back in the day back in the good old days um but she's all that it's not a good movie but i i have some nostalgia for it so we popped in he's all that i was surprised to see rachel lee cook in it um, I'm not even going to say if she's a good actor or not. I'm not sure. I almost don't want to say out loud. Like, she's not the best actor. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it. I like her. I'm a fan. I will say the first 10, 15 minutes, I was prepared to say that this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. He's all that. Just because they were focusing, like, you know, this main character played by Addison Ray, who I was not familiar with. I didn't know who she was, never seen her before, never heard of her before. She's focusing so much on like followers and social media. And that already takes me out. I, I hate social media with a passion. So like a movie, which the main gimmick is social media. I'm like, and I get it. I understand that's the world we live in. But doesn't mean I have to like it. doesn't mean I have to embrace it. So the first, you know, 15 minutes, I'm like, this movie's terrible. I want to shut it off. I hate it. But by the end of the movie, you know, I thought it was fine. My wife liked it. She was like, it was a good movie. So she, she enjoyed it. And like I've mentioned before on this podcast, it's hard for me to dislike a rom-com because they're kind of just dumb fun. And this is no different. It's kind of dumb fun. But in terms of recent rom-coms, like I would rank Moonshot is still number one. Really love Moonshot. A Perfect Pairing starring Victoria Justice is like in the middle. And then Can You Keep a Secret starring Daddario and He's All That are like fighting for the bottom slot. So he's all that. Like, I like Robbie. I guess his name is Tanner Buchanan. I I love him in, in Cobra Kai. He's great. And he was fine in this. I like his character a lot. He's like averse. Averse? He's averse to technology. He's averse to social media. He's averse to people. So I could relate, really relate to that character. Um, But then you have these heathens like... um. But even like Addison Ray's character, Paget, even in the beginning, like you could tell she loves her mom. Um, but her fr- or her one friend is like heathen, um, Alden. And then her ex-boyfriend is a heathen, but he played that, he embraced that part so much, you you have to like respect it. Like I, I, I obviously hated his character, but he just went all in in that character. I kind of liked his performance. And, you know, I'm not a fan of Matthew Lillard, but I, it was fun seeing him him in this movie. I didn't recognize his voice as the principal. And, you know, by the end of the movie, the, I, I like the message. The, she was like, you know, I've been for four years, I've been trying to portray this image of me of like uh a rich girl who who looks great, who has it all put together. But um, my mom's a nurse. We're 
kind of poor. We don't live in the best house. I pretended to live in the best house to look better. And I will say, like, I, I kind of wish I didn't like Addison Ray, But her performance was, like, she has a pleasant presence on screen. Even though I feel like she has two speeds. Um, it's either friendly, bubbly, um, friendly and bubbly or sad and serious it's like two speeds and there's no nuance in between but I feel like her performance was pleasant enough it wasn't great I don't think but I liked her I almost wish I didn't because you know I, I hate these like fucking influencers I will like I don't mean to pick on her but I will say the the dance she does it's like I gotta say I don't I don't think it was great and I feel like if you're a good TikTok dancer it doesn't mean you're a good actual dancer because she was doing all these weird like obviously TikTok dances and I was like she looks kind of awkward so I don't know maybe if you're looking at it in vertical format on your phone maybe that it looks good that's why she has all these followers but when it was on this on the big screen i just thought it was awkward that being said i i again i liked her in it she's we don't have to get into it but she's an attractive girl um the movie had some merit it wasn't it was not without merit and i guess online people hated it um i didn't hate it my wife enjoyed it so it's you know it's not it's not a terrible it wasn't good it was not good but we enjoyed it we had fun you could do worst with your time we watched it on netflix well where are we at time wise 53 minutes um i don't know let's get to the movie at hand so if you go on wikipedia you, I always search list of movies based on video games. And, you know, the, the, one of the first things that pop, like the first thing on the page is theatrical releases. So that's where I got my uh, Super Mario Brothers, Double Dragon, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. But there's a bunch of different categories. There's like animated, there's short film, there's documentaries. And way at the bottom, there is... Um, Movies whose plots revolve around video games. So Tron is not a movie based on an existing video game. It is a... Well, on Wikipedia, it is a 1982 American science fiction action adventure film written and directed by Steven Lisberger from a story by Lisberger and Bonnie McBird. McBird. Macbird. So it's not based on any existing video game. It's just a movie highly influenced by video games. Let's look f at Steven Lisberger's Wikipedia page. Um, he he did a bunch of stuff I've never heard of, like Cosmic Cartoon, Animal Olympics, Tron, nineteen eighty two, director and writer. Hot Pursuit, Slipstream, 
Tron Legacy, he was a producer and he cameoed as Shaddix. Tron Legacy, by the way, was directed by Joseph Kosinski in his featured directorial debut. I remember liking the movie fine. I didn't love it, but he directed um, Top Gun Maverick. So it's like, it makes me definitely want to revisit Tron Legacy because Top Gun Maverick was amazing. Amazing. Um, Tron Ares. I've never, I don't know what that is. Um, he's a producer on Tom, on Tron Ares. I guess there's a potential third film, um, in this franchise. Potential third film announced to be in development in 2010. Um... I don't, I guess, there's not too, I don't want to read, the, like, is that's dumb. Well, no one's listening anyway, so let me just read through. No, it's too much to read. I don't know what to do. Should I pause the podcast? I'm getting scared. I'm starting to panic. I don't, uh, um, I'm not going to read that. Just know that there's a potential third movie after Tron Legacy called Tron Ares. I did see the name Jared Leto in that paragraph, which is very sad and very frightening. Um, Let's just hope it's good. You know what I mean? Um, Tron. So I remember watching Tron years ago and feeling kind of bored by it, pretty bored by it. I gotta say, I watched it today, and I liked it a lot. I don't know why. I don't know, maybe I was in a bad mood back then. I was pretty tired today when watching it, but I I thought it was just a lot of fun. Um, Let me try to see if I can come up with a synopsis for this movie. Well, at the beginning of the movie... uh, Jeff Bridges plays Flynn, and he is a former employee at NCOM. Um, I guess he was, I don't know, level 7 clearance at a company called NCOM. And his old buddies, uh, Alan Bradley and Laura, um, still work there. And... I'm not sure what their company, like, I would guess that their company makes video games, but I don't know how accurate that is because Laura, Dr. Laura, okay, why would a doctor be, um, why would a doctor be uh, working at a, a video game company? That, so I'm already confused. Some sort of technology, compu- um, computer technology company, I would guess. And so the boss, oh God, this is dead air. The the boss name is Dillinger and he takes out the clearance, the level seven clearance of all its employees. And um, Alan Bradley goes in there and is like, yeah, we're taking away clearance just for a few days. And so he goes to, Alan Bradley goes to his girlfriend, I guess, Dr. Laura Baines, played by Cindy Morgan. And they're wondering what's going on. And they said, well, someone is trying to hack into their mainframe, whatever. 
So they go to Flynn, who Flynn is Dr. Laura Baines's ex-boyfriend. And they go, "We, I want to warn him. And there's kind of a kind of a sort of a rivalry between Dr. A- or sorry, not Dr. Alan Bradley and Flynn because um, there's sort of a love triangle going there, sort of. But Alan Bradley's like, I don't. What do I, I don't owe that guy anything. He's like, I just want to warn him. So they go over to his place. He apparently owns an arcade and it's called Flynn's Arcade and he lives upstairs. It's, it actually looks like a really cool setup where he lives. And so he tell, so Flynn tells them what's going on. Well, I started working at NCOM and I worked my way up from the bottom and I was a bright star, kind of a genius, and I would go in there and work on these video game ideas that I had. But then Dillinger came in there and he stole his ideas. And now Dillinger is at the top of the company. So he is um, a senior exec. And, you know, as I was watching this, I couldn't help but think of Free Guy. So Free Guy is a 2021 movie and i believe that why is john krasinski in free guy was he in free guy hold on i gotta look this up um i'm not gonna find it all right john krasinski as a silhouetted gamer god that's so dumb I should just delete this whole podcast. That's so dumb. Um, so in Free Guy, Jodie Comer and the Stranger, Thing, Stranger Things guy, they used to work for this company and they had this idea for a game. And I think they were both fired. And then the company took over their game and used it for their own. So 2021's Free Guy is stealing plot points from 1982's Tron, which I thought was very interesting. It's like both are related to the industry of video games. They're not based on video games, but very weird, um, the similarities. But so Flynn is like, I'm trying I still have level 7 clearance. I'm trying to hack into their system to find proof that he stole my ideas. Again, very much free guy. And then Dr. Laura Baines um and Alan Bradley are like, "Okay, we will try to help you get in there." So they get into the building and uh, f- there's this entity called the Master control program who's he's almost like uh the emperor or something some uh overlord all-powerful overlord that controls anything and everything and he kind of brings flynn into his world inside the computer system or whatever and so flynn becomes one of these programs but he is a user kind of disguised as a program kind of and he interacts with this character named ram who's an ally he 
runs into Tron, and Tron is like a special program developed by Bradley. Um, anyway, I think that's enough of the plot that I'm going to get into. The adventure ensues from there. And by the end of the movie, Tron is able to, with the help, like Tron and Flynn and Yori, who is Dr. Laura Bain's uh, program, are able to defeat the master control program. And they're able to defeat Dillinger. And in the program, like they, I guess they're going to be a, a free... They're not going to be prisoners of this MCP anymore. They're kind of going to be free. And same like in the real world, they're not going to be um, underlings of Dillinger. And at the end of the movie, uh, Jeff Bridges comes in a helicopter and he's like the boss now. So I had a lot of fun with it. I feel like the movie in terms, like according to Wikipedia, this movie was... Um, the one along with the last starfighter tron has the distinction of being one of cinema's earliest films to use extensive computer generated imagery imagery cgi and some of the cgi is obviously cheesy corny by today's standards but i it's also part of its charm at this point for sure and I can see how this movie was definitely revolutionary at the time and very influential. Um, you know, this movie reminds me of like Ready Player One. Let me look up Ready Player One to see when the book came out. Um, the novel of the same... Uh, it's 2011. So it's not even close. But Tron was I don't I don't know if Tron was the first movie to do this, but it's the um definitely an early movie that had you bring in like humans going into this kind of virtual computer world. Um so that plot point was interesting. I I would guess that this was a high a big influence on Ready Player One. Um I'm not sure, but I was looking at the special features and they said that a lot of kids in either grade school or high school watched this movie and it made them want to get into either computers or become an uh, animator in the film industry or want to you know want to get into the film industry because of this movie and I could totally see it um, I just thought the movie was very fun and you know, someone in the special feature said there's still nothing like it, and I I agree. It's 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 very cool looking movie as well, and I can't help but think of this segment in Kingdom Hearts. It's kind of weird that Kingdom Hearts decided to bring back a 1982 movie, but that that sequence in Kingdom Hearts, I think it's Kingdom Hearts two, is one of the best sequences in the game i almost like i tried replaying the game from the beginning and it, i i don't know it's just i i just i want i almost want i want to get to the tron segment i just want to play that so i don't know if i want to go through the whole thing just to get to the tron segment but tron is very fun 
Um, Bonnie MacBird. Let's see what she's done. Um, her Wikipedia page is rather empty, so let's check out her IMDb page. She um, she was an actress in the show Must Go Online in 2020. She doesn't have a lot of acting um, credits, but she is an actress. She was the second unit director or assistant director for something called The First Nudie Musical from 1976. So that's interesting. She was she has a story credit for 1982 Tron. Um, and then the rest is Tron related. Well, there's something called Squeakers, which is a TV movie documentary from 2002. 8-Bit Weapon, Tron Tribute, music video, Characters by, in 2010. She has a Characters credit from Tron Legacy, 2010. She has a Characters credit on Tron Uprising, 2012 to 2013. And then Tron 3, Characters credit, announced 2025. Um, what else can I talk about? I love Jeff Bridges in it. You know, this was obviously way before he decided he wanted to actually uh, metamorph into an actual cowboy in the present day. And I love that he was in this weird science fiction film in 1982 and he fully commits to it. Um, I like his vibe in the movie. He, he's fun. He's having fun with the character. He's confident. And, you know, from his acting to his dialogue to his, he, he makes little grunts here and, here and there that adds to the, to the characterization of this character. Um, uh, I liked him a lot in this. Um, he's very fun. And let's look at the other cast. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner, who I only know from Tron and Kingdom Hearts. Um, I don't know what else he's been in. So Tron 1982, he has a bunch of things listed on his uh, Wikipedia. Uh, Transmorphers? What's that? Tron Legacy, he played Alan Bradley slash Tron slash Rinsler. There's something called Tron the Next Day. He played Anne Ellen Bradley. It's a short film from 2011. It's you can't click on it. He was in The Oath, starring uh, Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish. He played Vice President Hogan. Um, I liked him in this. I like his voice in Kingdom Hearts. Um, he has a pretty distinct, even though it's kind of a. I was going to say he has a distinct voice, which is not terribly true, but I, I like his voice. It's kind of comforting. I, I don't know what, why I just said it's comforting. I, that's kind of a weird thing to say. I really liked David Warner. Um, his picture on Wikipedia, he looks terrifying. Um, he looks like he would need no editing. You could put a, a selfie of him in a haunted mansion and his eyes would move without even having to edit the picture at all. His picture is frightening. I don't mean to be mean. 
but it is a good picture like the background is unique uh, i gotta stop looking at in, into his eyes it's he's really scaring me um he's an english actor um i thought he was great he really committed to this role as well and you really feel the the evilness of both dillinger and sark um i thought he was great i was i was a little un- underwhelmed by giant sark i was expecting more from that but he became giant and then almost immediately tron defeats the mcp and then sark like disintegrates but i guess in kingdom hearts he plays like the sark is um plays a bigger role in kingdom hearts i think i don't know cindy morgan i'm unfamiliar with but um again let's just say hachi and move on i guess i have to watch caddyshack because i've never seen caddyshack and cindy morgan is in um caddyshack i own it because pat walsh and joe DeRosa reference it um frequently but i gotta watch caddyshack she i i'm afraid i'm i'm just gonna dig a hole like she's attractive in this movie she's attractive she plays yori and she's in a she's in a fucking like skin tight suit anyway let's move on barnard hughes is dead as i would think I kind of recognized his voice and vibe. I believe he was in The Lost Boys, and he was. He played the grandpa in The Lost Boys, 1987. Um, So the performances in this movie were also pretty great. Um, I think that's really all I have to say. I had a lot of fun with it this time. Um... I'm assuming it was very influential on many things that came after it. And I'm interested in watching Tron Legacy. I'm concerned because I didn't love it the first time around, but I am excited because it's directed by Joseph Kosinski. Um, Oh, I I forgot to mention, I watched this um, short special features on the Tron Blu-ray. And, you know, I have always liked Olivia Wilde. You know, I think she's hot. And I thought she was great as 13 on House. Um, I like that she was in Tron Legacy. I like that she agreed to be in the incredible Burt Wonderstone. But uh, Pat Walsh mentioned that Olivia Wilde came off as such a dunst in a special features on i forget which movie they were talking about but she came out as such a dunce in this short like every second that they cut to her her first words out of her mouth were i actually wasn't very but she's saying these words in a very excitable voice like i actually wasn't and i actually wasn't familiar with tron but i just knew it was like tron I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? Um, she, I don't know. 
I think she's trying to feign enthusiasm and it comes off. She just comes off coming off. Look who's talking. She just comes off sounding dumb. I'm going to say it again because that's how dumb it was. I actually wasn't very familiar with Tron, but I just knew it was like Tron. Um, So that's something I'm going to have to struggle with if I get to Tron Legacy. But I think that's all I got. It's a fun movie. Check it out. Also, for um, Edmund's sad stuff, I forgot to mention. Um, Edmund's sad stuff is a segment where I talk about stuff that... The stuff itself is not sad. It's just sad that these things bring me further into financial ruin. Um, But the stuff itself is not sad. I want to make that clear. So I actually purchased this uh, Blu-ray of Tron. Oh, hold on. Let me look at this. Tron, the special edition, Disney's Tron, the original classic. It's a Disney Blu-ray. Um... Blu-ray plus DVD. It's it's only $5 on Amazon currently. Which, you know, it's interesting. Um, he, let, me, let me list through the... Some of the special features. Features Disney enhanced high-definition picture and sound. Exclusive phototronology. I only got through a few seconds of this, but maybe you'll find it interesting. Join director Steven Lisberger and his son, Carl Lisberger, on a personal journey to Disney's photo library as they uncover original production photos and real intimate stories. The Tron phenomenon, that's the one I watched where Olivia Wilde just comes off like a dumbo. Explore Tron's impact on pop culture through interviews with filmmakers and stars of the new movie. The Making of Tron, extensive documentary including interviews. I'm sorry, my voice went up. That was the end of the that segment. I should have said including interviews. Deleted scenes with introductions by Bruce Boxleitner. Audio commentary with Steven Lisberger, Donald Kushner, Harrison Ellenshaw, and Richard Taylor. And much, much more. Disc 2. Um, that's weird. They list the same things on Disc 2, the Tron phenomenon and audio commentary. That seems like a waste of a real estate. For this, I gotta be honest. But it's only five bucks, and um, I recommend it. What I found interesting was when I popped this Blu-ray into my PS5 is they showed two previews of movies, and it almost felt like it almost felt like watching a, a movie in the theater where they show previews. But I don't know if they still do that on modern movies modern blu-rays but for this one i'm assuming this blu-ray maybe came out in 2011 because 
the first preview they showed was um, the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, on Stranger Tides. And the way they portrayed it, it felt like this was new to theaters or like in theaters now. And then also a Disney movie called Prom from 2011, I'm assuming. And I didn't recognize anyone in it. So I'm assuming all those people just failed in their careers as actors or they all died. But that's it for Edmund's sad stuff. Um, That's it for this episode. Um, I'm... I just want to apologize in uh, advance for this episode. I know it was extremely boring and my voice is monotone and I'm not interesting at all. And my personality is boring and it's like I have the personality of igneous stone and um, the soul of a cactus. We're at an hour 20. If you, by the way, I was in the middle of watching a movie, a 1980 movie called Alligator because they recently reviewed it on we'll see you in hell so that's going to be on an upcoming coming on an upcoming movie beat alligator starring robert forster also i i was listening to we'll see you in hell and pat was talking about that new ish documentary by spike lee on 9-11 and he mentioned a four-part documentary on hurricane katrina um that i had never watched and full disclosure i i didn't really follow hurricane katrina so a lot of what i was seeing and hearing was new to me i'm not done with it so i didn't want to talk about it on this episode but that's i'm going to talk about definitely on the next episode very very comprehensive and good well-made documentary with a lot of information um but i'll talk more about that next time if you like final fantasy 7 videos please check out youtube.com slash odd drummer gaming almost forgot it and if you like drums and video games um check out youtube.com slash drumj8 I finally posted a new video after like a month. And I got to say, it it feels good to post a video, even though it's not perfect. You know, I, I used to watch a lot of Think Media videos on YouTube and Sean Cannell. One of their quotes is, done is better than perfect. And I can understand, like, here's some advice I'll give you. I can understand if you're working on something and you want to make it perfect and but if if that um if that causes you to delay the release of your project for 6 months, a year, 5 years, like sometimes it's better to just release it and then work on the next one and gen- just get better through consistency because it's never really going to be perfect. And I, I can understand making it as good as you possibly can, but try to work on your personal projects consistently and release it consistently. I'm I don't do it consistently. That's why I I am a bad creator and I hate myself and um I deserve to be punished. But 
just try to do your best to be consistent. Um, no matter, you know, I read something from Matt Diavella. He sent out a newsletter today and he's like, what is your someday goal? Someday goal. Like, um, I he quoted, I think, Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, it's not, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to see the first small step. So, Whatever your goals are, have it in the back of your mind. Take that first step and then take the next one, then take the next one, then keep going. Um, I'm sorry to be so positive and inspirational at the end of this. I should try to think of something more negative. Um, Should we talk about Roe versus Wade again? Um, Also, Hurricane Katrina makes it clear that the U.S. government, and I will say that the U.S. in general tends to hate black poor people. Uh, There, I brought it down uh, pretty significantly there. Thanks for listening. Stay... Thanks for listening. Say hi to your pets for me. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.